Soul Recovery is not just this podcast. It is a community. And each month on the first Monday, we get together on Zoom to support each other. I give a topic, then we break into small groups. It's a powerful way to be seen and witnessed and heard and supported through your own soul recovery journey. This is free to attend and open to everyone. Go to the website to register. The next one is May 6th from 6 to 7 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. Also, in June on the 8th and 9th is an in-person soul recovery retreat in Lafayette, Colorado. This is going to be a weekend of incredible transformation, learning how to use soul recovery in your life and to leave that weekend transformed. Visit the website for more about what to expect and how to register. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to the Recover Your Soul podcast. I'm Rev. Rachel. Thank you for spending your time with me today. I want to let you know a little bit about the episode this week. This is an interview with the hosts of the Love Fix podcast. Sherry Gaba is a licensed psychotherapist, life coach, and she's the author of Love Smacked. It's a book on how to stop the cycle of relationship addiction and codependency to find everlasting love. And Carla Romo, who is the author of Contagious Love and a Certified Life Coach. We had this fabulous conversation around the awareness of codependency. How do you recognize when you're in a toxic and narcissistic relationship? When do you start to realize that it's time to move on? And then finding the strength, the spiritual strength, the inner love, the ability to realize that you don't need to be in those kinds of relationships. We talk a little bit about trauma bonding, love addiction. We hit so many great topics in this episode that I know that it's going to really resonate with you around the soul recovery journey, turning the attention to ourselves, finding our own inner love and our own strength to make choices in our lives that are better for us and in healthier relationship. Enjoy the episode. My name is Reverend Rachel Harrison, and this is the Recover Your Soul podcast, a spiritual path to a happy and healthy life. I started Recover Your Soul after having profound changes in my life from my recovery of alcoholism, control addiction, and codependency. I was guided to share the tools and principles of spirituality and soul recovery to help others transform their lives as mine was transformed. For us to overcome external circumstances, we must first turn the attention to ourselves, focusing on inner change. Positive results in our lives will follow. Welcome back to the Recover Your Soul podcast. I am so excited because on this episode, I have the two beautiful, wonderful hosts of the Love Fix podcast, Sherry Gaba and Carla Romo. Hi. Hello. Hello. Thanks for having us on. Yeah. I'm so excited because it's such a powerful space in terms of helping people to heal from difficult and toxic relationships. And I love that your podcast is around having healthy relationships, leaving codependency, and opening up to a better way of living in relationships. So I'm super excited to talk to you both today. Yeah. Right. We well, we love all things codependent, toxic relationships. 
Love you know, yeah, you know, the list goes dating. on and on. <laughs> yeah. I was looking through your list. I listened to a bunch of the podcasts, but I was looking through their list and they're fabulous. So if anybody wants to go check out more about healing, I highly recommend you go to the Love Fix podcast and check that out because there's just, I, I couldn't even pick one thing to talk about based on what was on your list because it's so good. But I wanted to lean into the soul recovery community. So soul recovery is a term that I've come up with that explains the bigger picture of our healing from within by letting go of the outside, letting go of control of everybody else, turning the attention to ourselves and taking our power back by not letting other people determine whether we're okay or not. And that's not easy at all. I love no. that. It's not easy. And I know that from my own stuff. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, part of the issues around codependency, which is one of the things Carl and I talk about, is it's focusing back on yourself. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, not trying to control others, change others, manipulate others. You have to kind of accept the way they are or move on pretty much. Speaking of the moving on, as we were talking before we got started, One of the topics that I think that's really interesting that I haven't touched on a lot is how do you move on? How do you see that it's time to go? How do you recognize, is this our own addiction? Is this love addiction? Are we connected in a way that's unhealthy beyond what we can't see? And in your experience as a psychotherapist and life coach, what are your experiences and tools to help people recognize when it's time to go and how to begin to do that? Well, as Sherry, Sherry would say trauma work. <laughs> We're always <laughs> right. Right. We're always, but I don't know if you're going to say that right now. <laughs> no, it's actually, I was actually going to bring up just some things that you want to look out for if you are in a toxic relationship. And and that is when it's time to go because we mm-hmm. work a lot in that area. But, you know, if you're ruminating and obsessing over someone or you're trying to turn yourself into a pretzel to make them want you to love you, if you're walking on eggshells, mm-hmm. if you feel like you're being criticized, abused physically, emotionally, spiritually, there's a lot of fighting, a lot of betray- if there's betrayal or cheating. And Carla can probably add to this if you have trouble setting boundaries when there's no communication and when you try to set a boundary, they, they just won't have it. That's, that's a real sure time to leave. And then when you stop taking care of yourself, when there's no more self-care, when there's disrespect, when they're devaluing you, um, these are some of the things I would look for in terms of when it's time to leave a relationship. The other thing too, it can feel confusing as hell because if you were brought up in a dysfunctional family system, then you might think that this is normal behavior, right? Mm-hmm. And so you you don't know that there's another way out. This just seems normal to you, but it sucks. You're like, why am I feeling this way? My gut's off. I'm not, you know, I don't feel good about myself. So uh, the other thing too, is that I would say to get quiet, your gut is the number one indicator whether or not you should be in a relationship. I will tell you that. And I can say that from my own experience. I help my clients get in touch with their gut feeling. And sometimes it's not in your gut. I've had clients say that theirs is in their heart or their, um, you know, just like the tension that they hold, things like that. But if something feels off, it probably is. And mm-hmm. I actually would suggest to lean into that. And when you are codependent, you run away from that gut feeling because you need everything to be okay. So you're ideas to make it go away, make everything work. 
versus actually taking a step back and asking yourself and pointing the finger at yourself is like, what do I need? What do I want? Um, what's going to serve me best? How do I take care of myself? And that's, you know, it's difficult because it's not relationships aren't black and white. There's a lot of gray space in them. And the things that Sherry just listed off are like perfect, you know, kind of a little checklist of, okay, am I, you know, is this what's going on? Is this not what's going on? Uh, the other thing too, is that when you feel the relationship is more bad, quote unquote, than good, that's another indicator. I used to say that it's the 80, 20. So if it's 80% good and 20% hard, and when it starts to lean more into 70, 60, 40, you need to start taking a look at what that is. And I love that conversation because I find that we get confused and we don't see it for what it is. And we start to come up with excuses or reasons or belief structures that are trying to make it be something that it isn't. And how do we choose ourselves? How do you how do you leave a marriage with a husband and kids? How do you allow yourself to to do that? That's the biggest step. I'm gonna just backtrack a little bit. I love what Carla said about intuition because mm-hmm. it really is true. And in my book, Love Smack, I talk a lot about how I had the intuition and most codependents, most love addicts have that intuition. However, they don't listen to it. Mm-hmm. I never listened to it. So she, Carla's absolutely 100% right. But there's a reason we don't listen to it. And that is because we grew up in a, a dysfunctional family. If we didn't get our needs met, if we weren't nurtured, our parents weren't there for us physically, emotionally, spiritually, we don't know what we feel. We, we question ourselves. We're sort of invisible. And so if we feel invisible, how are we going to know how we feel? Or you have parents to tell you how to feel. So you're like, I know this isn't right, but I just, I can't, I can't grasp it. And with, and if you're with someone toxic, they may be doing a lot of crazy making with you. They may be gaslighting you. And so now not only do you second guess yourself, even though you know something's wrong, you second guess yourself, but they're making you crazy. And that even causes more second guessing. I, I have to say, if you are someone that grew up with a dysfunctional family, you might have to, and that's where the trauma piece comes in that Carla mentioned. We got <laughs> yes. to we we kind of figure out what is that, what's going on so that we can get present in our bodies, which I know is part of um, the recovery community is getting present one day at a time, et cetera. But I mean, really like feeling into, leaning into what is that felt sense in my body so that when I have intuition, I know that this is not okay. Mm-hmm. This is not working. Yeah. Trusting that is so powerful and difficult. And and when I work with clients, I'm always going in and looking at that past trauma work as well, because I feel like it shines a light where you couldn't see. And yet that having the strength to move on to the next step, I find in working with people and in my community, I'm hearing a lot of people struggling with how to take that next step, how to trust that next step. Mm. You know, what I find really helpful in terms of trusting that next step is spirituality. Um, So for years, I didn't have any sense of spiritual source or anything like that. Uh, I write that actually in my book, Contagious Love, uh, where it wasn't until I actually brought in spirituality that I could start trusting and I was okay and I felt safe to actually end and leave an abusive relationship. And that's kind of where I actually say I broke free from codependency. And this was years ago. Um, But 
it wasn't until I had a spiritual moment where I actually was like, oh, I'm going to be okay. And I have two paths mm-hmm. and I can choose, like I can choose a path to say, oh, I'm just going to keep going down dysfunctional relationships and picking partners as self-sabotage, or I can choose to end that relationship and begin the most important relationship that I will ever have, which is the relationship with myself. So I did choose that path. But I I will say that that, you know, that for me was tied into having spirituality. And sometimes we, I agree with that. And also I want to talk about the trauma bond, because if you're in a toxic relationship, sometimes this trauma bond is formed and a lot of love addicts, codependents end up in these dysfunctional relationships. So now it's not as easy to let go because now we have to go through this withdrawal, just like a drug addict might go through withdrawal or need their next fix. A love addict codependent goes into this withdrawal or this trauma bond. So you do need that spirituality. And then you have to really, if you talk about how to break free, I mean, you have to look at these relationships as opportunities to heal and grow and become more self-aware. And like you said, when you started this podcast, we have to go from the outside in. You know, every relationship is manifested in our lives as a mirror to the relationship we have with ourselves. I know Carla talks a lot about self-esteem and self-love. I know self-esteem used to be the word. Now it's a self, we say Mm self-love, but we're attracting toxic relationships because we're having a toxic relationship with ourselves. So I I always say, you know, what always Carla talks about that self-love piece. As a spiritual coach, I can support you on your path to make deep and real changes that will bring you a life of peace, happiness, connection, and abundance. Visit the website recoveryoursoul.net to book coaching sessions, read the blog, listen to some of my original music, and subscribe to receive email updates. I think of Recover Your Soul as a community. Follow us on social media, join the private Facebook group, and even our monthly soul recovery support group on Zoom to support each other and connect. For an extra episode each week, become a Patreon member or subscribe on Apple Podcasts. If these episodes are helping you in any way and you want to donate, you want to really figure out how can I support this community and recover your soul, please look at the show notes below. There is a link to be able to donate monthly three, five, eight, or $10. This cost of a fancy cup of coffee would really help support this community and recover your soul. Together, we can do the work that will recover your soul. Will you talk more about trauma bonding? I think that's really fascinating. It's not something that I have any expertise in. So I'd love to hear more about that, Sherry. So when you're in a toxic relationship, there's a lot of highs and lows. And there's something called love bombing, which goes on in the beginning of a relationship. And then when the person hooks you in, this toxic or narcissistic person sucks you in, they're they're either discarding you devaluing you or love bombing you. And so there's this up and down cycle. And so the up and down cycle actually becomes an addiction. And so a lot of people go, I just can't let go. I can't let go. And you you tell them like, you need to go no contact. Well, I can't go no contact. I'm addicted. And you're addicted to that high and low. And you're addicted to waiting and hoping for that next high, that next like throw me a bone moment. And you're just waiting and waiting and it'll happen. And then it'll go back to devaluing and discarding again. So that that's what a trauma bond is. A trauma bond is the addiction to the highs and the lows of the relationship and wanting to go back to that love bombing phase where they were adoring you and 
you know, making you feel like on top of the world, validating you, you, you know, they could do no, you, you can do no wrong. And so, yeah, that's what a trauma bond is. So it's simpler, similar to the cycle of violence of an episode, a yes. major peacemaking stage, and then the the slow creep up to stress and then another episode and then the peacemaking. So it has exactly. a similar the cycle phase and, mm-hmm. then, and then the, you know, abusive phase, like right. tensions building, 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 and then boom. And then, you know, you start to see the thing is with narcissists and toxic people, they have the same abandonment issues as the love addict and codependent. So when you start to back off, they're going to start going forward again. And it's this dance, this codependent dance with the toxic person. Um, and yes, it's very familiar with the cycle of abuse. In soul recovery, one of the things I talk a lot about is letting go of judgment of everybody involved, but seeing it clearly for what it is. And I think that there's such a part of us that wants to believe that they're going to get better, you know, that almost judges from the other perspective, instead of saying they're all bad, all they can see is that honeymoon or the love bomb that they want or the, how it's going to be, or the fairy tale. I love that concept of like just being really aware of how it's affecting you up and down. Yeah. You know, I think that when you're in a, a, a healthy cycle, when you start to actually have awareness, that's when you can start to become empowered. Right. And as you start to kind of break out of the cycle and then it becomes mm-hmm. like a choice and you talk about the, you know, not, you know, the non-judgmental. I like that approach. Um, because then you can kind of detach and take a step back and see for what it is, what's actually happening versus like, oh, they're doing this to me. Right. Right. And I'm in survival and I need to like, you know, pick up my army and fight this war, you know, whatever that is. It's like a codependent's dream, right. To like fix things, get in there, solve the problem, make it all happy. Uh, But in the reality of it, when you can kind of take a step back, and you can see it from a non-judgmental place, then you can start to see your part in it too. And you can start to say, oh, this is a choice. Like I actually am choosing to show up in this relationship. Now, I always say this, you're not responsible for somebody else's behavior. Mm -hmm. You have no control over it. You have no responsibility over what they're doing to you. However, you have responsibility of how you want to respond to it. And I think that is where it starts to become empowering. And then that's where it also starts to become a little hard because then you have, and I'm sure Sherry could talk about this, but the feelings of shame. Oh, I'm so embarrassed. And I, what's wrong with me that I'm attracting these types of people and why, you know, I don't want people to know that I'm in this type of relationship or whatever, but that's just all ego. And when you can kind of push past some of that shame, then you can start to say, okay, wait a minute. Like, this was a choice. Now I feel empowered. So we're moving out of the shame and now we're becoming empowered and recognizing that, oh, I might not have control over outcomes in life, but I do have control over my part and how I show up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And you'll know more about that when you know yourself, when you have an intimate connection with yourself. Like Carla said, the first step is awareness. And so that awareness and digging deep inside and really knowing and really leaning into what's going on inside. And it's it's not easy when you come when you come from abuse, when you grow up in a family, uh, you don't know the difference between what's healthy and what's not healthy. Once you start working on this stuff, 
then you start to realize, oh no, this this is not healthy. Mm-hmm. This is not. This is where this is the family I grew up in. Even though it's comfortable, and everybody goes back to their default. They always want to go with what's comfortable. It's kind of really time to go to what's uncomfortable, and that's where freedom lives. That's the beauty, I think, of breaking the the family dysfunction to really see that we have this opportunity to change what happens not only for ourselves, but our family members. I I know in my recovery, I have changed so much. I'm not actually sure if my family's changed all that much themselves, but the way that we interact with each other has changed. And I see them as changed, even though my desire is not to make them change, but I feel like it is affecting down the road and, and our alcoholism that we had, even though my kids aren't choosing to be sober at this point, I do feel like the dysfunctional part of our livelihoods and our ways of communicating is changing. And my hope is that that changes them down the road and their relationships. So I want to be the change in my relationship. Well, it's, it's, you know, it's interesting because when you look at family dynamics and uh, Sherry's talked about before on our podcast, um, Generational Trauma. But if you look at this, you could come from parents who do not have addiction. Okay. They're not addicts. Yet you have behaviors and you're attracting people who are addicts. Mm -hmm. And then you kind of have to look at the family origin. Were their parents alcoholics? Were they addicts? And I promise you probably because what they did is they defaulted to codependency. And so their default in, in raising you or whatever was passing along those you know, certain characteristics. And although you might be like, well, they they didn't have any problems with addiction, but why am I attracting alcoholics or addicts? I mean, I see this all the time with my clients. It's like, oh, wait a minute. When you take a step back and you kind of look at the family origin, oh, this is a family disease. This isn't just like one person was the addict and once they got sober, everything's good to go. Like you were just talking about. It's like breaking these cycles of dysfunction um, and, and, you know, and recognizing too, you can break the cycles of dysfunction, but everybody actually has to play a role in, in their own choice of how they want to show up differently. But at least opening the door is teaching people. Like I was just telling my client last night, you're teaching your daughter a new way of living life. Mm-hmm. I think if we're honest, there's been addiction of some kind in almost every single family. Kind of like what you were saying. It doesn't have to just be drugs or alcohol. My, my grandparents were gamblers. My mother did develop alcoholism later in life, but she had all the isms. But yeah, gambling, it can be food, can be um, shopping, internet, Mm -hmm. debting. I mean, there just could be this lineage of that. I mean, we know this uh, through epigenetics that it's carried on. And so why am I behaving this way? Why am I, why, how did I become a codependent? Why am I attracted to addicts? Well, like Carla said, look at your transgenerational lineage. I think that is so incredible because we need the awareness, you know, the more that we can see those things. I always say you can't change it until you see it. And so once you see it, then you can do something about it. And the fact that people are here on this podcast and going to your podcast and and learning and growing and having awareness is the step to healing. Yeah, the, our, our podcast, we have some of the, the best guests. I mean, we really do. We have people that talk about polyvagal theory, trauma, boundaries, Toxic relationships. Gosh, what addiction? Else? We do. We had addiction. <laughs> Lots of addiction on there. Yeah. Even attachment dating. theories. We're gonna have. We're gonna have you on there, which we're very excited yep. about. Yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, you know, 
here's the thing is that there's a lot of shame with this stuff. And I don't think that's also talked about a, a lot is the shame that comes in with being codependent and before claiming it and before claiming and naming it, right? And being able to say, yeah, like I am a codependent. I'm recovering. And as Sherry and I talk about this all the time, there's no end. There's no fixing Mm -hmm. in terms of your codependency. Like it is a journey. It gets a hell of a lot better. I can tell you that from my personal experience and walking clients through this as well. Um, But I can tell you right now that it is a muscle that you have to work. And and sometimes you have to reset it a little bit more intense than others. But this is also why I talk a lot about self-love because it's a journey, right? There's no destination with that. And when you can show up for yourself and you can take care of yourself, then you create sustainable self-love. And, and that's kind of like recovery with codependency. You're creating sustainable recovery um, where it's not just you pick up some tools because you know you got in a terrible fight with your partner and, and you're like, oh man, everything's out the door and I haven't practiced any of this. No, it's it's really a daily practice. The self-love is essential because if you don't have that, then you can't look at what that 80-20 is and start realizing you're slipping and then lean on your spirituality, have the strength to make different decisions and choose a different life for yourself. It all You need all the pieces to put the puzzle together. And, and watch out for cross-addiction. I know that your community... Um, you know, is it in recovery and so forth? Watch out for that love addiction. You know, the, there's a reason they often say in the program of recovery, wait a year before you get into a relationship because you're going to be more apt to get into some kind of love addiction. Mm-hmm. You're going to you're going to replace your your substance for for a love addiction, and that that's known as a process addiction. So just you know, got to be your eyes out for that. So how do you know if you're doing love addiction? How do you know if that's what's really going on with you? Is it similar to trauma bond in terms of the ups and downs and the swings? How do you know? Kind of overlaps and it also overlaps with codependency, but um, I'm a recovering love addict and codependent. It's a feeling like you have to be in a relationship to feel whole. Like you absolutely feel so empty if you're not uh, partnered with somebody. And so what that can lead to is settling for less. And that's where toxic relationships come in because if you are so afraid to be alone which was in my case you'll just go for the scraps mm-hmm. and you'll you won't walk away and you know it's so beautiful though once you do get into recovery from love addiction how you do get out of these relationships a lot faster and it took me a lifetime to do that again i talk about it in my book love smacked i've had multiple marriages and i love what carla said about the shame because there was so much shame like i would go on a date and I lied. I didn't want to tell them how many times I've been married. I, it, it was awful. And that's why I had to get out there and say, look, there's nothing to be ashamed of. There are reasons that you became a love addict or codependent. Look at your history. Look at where you came from. And let's, let's not feel so, let's stop blaming ourselves. We didn't yeah. wake up just like an addict doesn't wake up and go, I want to be an alcoholic and I want to lose everything. Or I want to be a love addict and, you know, have all these heartbreaks. There are reasons that we we have these patterns. And so, and they can be changed. And there's always hope, always hope for change. That's my message. I love that because I think ultimately sometimes people feel like I made this bed. Now I have to lay in it. And my thing I'm always saying is you never have to lay in the bed. There is always another path to take. You are stronger than that. You can make it out. You can make different choices. You can grow. You can you can heal. You know, something that when we were talking about leaving toxic relationships, I have to say this as well, just because you are either in recovery around codependency or, you know, are working through breaking free of your codependency, 
you can still get into unhealthy relationships, but you just recognize it much quicker. Mm-hmm. So, you know, a lot of times codependents think, well, okay, I've, you know, now I should, I should, I did all this work. Now I should be able to have relationships that last, right? And the reality is, is that people are always changing and things are always evolving and life happens. And so the idea is not to conquer it in the sense of like, okay, now I will dot, 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 right? Like the idea is just to take it life, you know, as it comes and and relationships as they come and be open to evolving in the evolution of it, but also staying very present and firm and being in into your recovery around mm-hmm. codependency. Yeah, I, I love that because I think if we sit back and we're like, oh, I've got this now, just wait. <laughs> Life will come and give you a reminder that there's more to be revealed, always more healing and awareness to be had. Often people are afraid to get into another relationship. Oh, I don't trust myself. I don't trust them. But if you start doing the work three months from now, six months from now, a year from now, you're going to be a different person. And yeah, you know, you might end up in another relationship like that. But I love that, Carla. You know, you'll get out of it much faster because you'll, you'll, again, Toxic people can be very manipulative. So I I can't guarantee you if you do the work, you'll never bump up against a toxic person, but you will, you'll know it and you'll have the self-love to get out of it. Mm-hmm. You won't be afraid. The fear will, you won't have that fear that you had when you were in your disease of love addiction or codependency. You'll have less, much less fear. Or the belief that you can fix that toxic person, which is the never ending belief that we can fix it and oh, exactly. make them better. I I love that when you get to that point, you're like, oh, I don't want that. Next. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Next. Next. I mean, it, it's hard. It can be disappointing. I'm dating. I'm, I'm not in a relationship and it can, it can be like, oh, but you know what? There's always one person out there. Yeah. Well, it's like I talk about on our New Year's special on the Love Fix uh, in 2022, I ended an engagement and I didn't see red flags until really like the last couple of weeks of this relationship. And I thought to myself, Ooh, I have a moment here of whether I'm about to enter into a toxic relationship or not. And I have a choice in this. And it just didn't serve what I wanted and what I needed for myself. And back to that self-love, like I love myself. I prioritize myself and breaking free from codependency is is my number one priority. I, I don't ever want to get back into that dance again with someone. And so, you know, I just think what's important here is that to recognize that doing the work it doesn't prevent other people's behavior toward you. It just mm-hmm. doesn't. But what it does, it prevents you from being in unhealthy relationships. And it gives you a choice in life of how you want to show up in life or in your relationships. Yeah, that's incredibly empowering, isn't it? To take it power back, as yeah. I like to say. <laughs> yes, yes. And you know, I think what's important too is you don't second guess yourself. Um, it doesn't mean you don't go through heartbreak or grief or anything like that. But I also trust myself and, you know, I'm in a new relationship now and it's awesome. And, uh, but, but it's because of the work that I've done around it. And Sherry and I've talked a lot about this of like being, you know, taking time off in between breakups and things like that, doing trauma work and, you know, really diving into your recovery. All of those things are so important, I think, to be able to move forward. Yeah. And you have to feel the pain for a bit. And I was, I always refused to feel it. I had to go from one relationship to the next, to the next. And it's so beautiful that I don't have to do that. I don't have to settle. I can, I can be with me. And that's, that's the beauty of recovery and trauma work. That is the beauty. 
there's so much of us that wants to not feel feelings, but it's the feelings that make us human and tell us what direction to go. Mm-hmm. And if it's not feeling right, as in the beginning of the conversation, our emotions are telling us something and then we deny them. And my spirituality and this being a spiritual path, soul recovery is a spiritual path. The feelings aren't wrong. It's our attachment to the feelings that cause the suffering. And the suffering is the optional part. The feeling is the human part. That's the beauty of who we are. And it's the changing what we see about feelings and deciding we don't want to suffer instead of we don't want to feel. Right. And it's a choice, right, to suffer because I always say like to clients, our feelings are irrational. It doesn't mean they're not valid. Okay. It doesn't mean our feelings and thoughts aren't valid, but our feelings are irrational. We just feel we're human. Like we just have feelings and then we have the feeling and then there comes the thought. That's the process. A lot of times we skip over the feeling and we go into thought and that's where it can get dangerous because that's where you start to take action to try to rid the feelings if you are codependent. You try to get out of it as fast as possible. You try to make yourself feel like it's okay again. But when you can connect with yourself and you can pause, feeling is actually a really beautiful, a beautiful thing. And it can give you momentum and it can get you out there and moving. Um, depending on what you're feeling, anger is a great one. You know, it motivates the shit out of you. It's like, all right, let's go. Um, but but I think that when you can accept it's okay to feel, the feelings pass so quickly. They really do. And then you're able to move forward in your life. Yeah. That's beautiful. Thank you. What a fabulous taste of the love fix and so many topics that we just hit on so beautifully that encompass what I call soul recovery and healing and our inner awareness and growth. And I thank you both for your time. And you can go to the lovefix.com, right? And there is an ebook, Are My Relationships Healthy? I think there's a quiz that you can take. And you want to talk a little bit about the upcoming group workshop that you're going to be doing? Yeah. So it's a group coaching program, actually, that Sherry and I are going to be enrolling people into. Um, It's all about finding healthy relationships, whether you're in a relationship or you're dating, going through divorce, you're single, it doesn't really matter. It's really the guide forward um, to healthy relationships. So you can go to thelovefix.com and get on our wait list and if you get on our wait list, we will release certain promos and things like that first to you uh, before we open it up to the general public. Fabulous. Sherry, did you have anything to add? Oh, Carla, Carla said it perfectly. Definitely get over to the love fix for sure. I think that working individually with coaches as people work with you, Carla, and people work with me and Sherry, I'm sure people work with you as well. But there's something about groups. There's something about being witnessed by other people so that you recognize that you're not alone that is incredibly profound and powerful. So thank you both for joining me here today. And I am excited to come and do your podcast as well. And I'm just grateful that we're in this together and helping people to find recovery and healthy lives and relationships and to love themselves. Are you wondering, how do I go deeper on my soul recovery journey? Or how do I support this great podcast? Well, here's your call to action. If you're ready for real interchange and would like to work directly with me, visit the website and book a coaching session. I'm here to support you on your unique path. 
I'm here to help you let go of the past, to deepen your connection with higher power, whatever that is for you, and then to discover and step into a happy and healthy life of your making. You can also become part of the Soul Recovery community. One way is to join the support group. It's the first Monday of every month. It's on Zoom from 6 to 7 p.m. Mountain Time, and you can register on the website and get your Zoom link. It's the same link every month. We're also on social media. Of course, there's Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, and now even Insight Timer. Yes, lots of ways to connect. There is even a private Facebook group that will allow you for more communication and conversation about soul recovery with your community. If you'd like an extra bonus episode every Friday, you can become an Apple Podcast subscriber or choose your tier level of giving on Patreon. I'd also love all the listeners to subscribe on the website so that I can keep you informed on what's going on with the podcast, the community, with me, and anything that's up and coming and new and great about soul recovery. Also, if you just take a little bit of time and give me five stars, a quick review, share the podcast with friends and family, make sure you're subscribing however you listen to the podcast. We're helping even more people to have soul recovery in their lives. If this podcast is providing you spiritual nourishment and inspiration, thank you, thank you, thank you for going to the website, pushing the donate button, and giving whatever feels right to you. It means so much to me because I have this mission of sharing soul recovery with the world and your donations, your bookings, your subscriptions, everything that you do to be part of this community is making all that happen. Together, we can do the work that will recover your soul. The Recover Your Soul podcast and its content is for educational purposes only and is not allied or representative of any organizations or religions. It's based on the opinions and experience of Reverend Rachel Harrison. Recover Your Soul claims no responsibility to any persons or entity for any liability, loss, damage, or cause alleged to be caused directly or indirectly as a result of its use. Applications or interpretations of the information represented herein. Take what you need and leave the rest.